This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company is now entering their second year with us here as the title sponsor of the Short Side Option Podcast, and we're super excited to have them be a part of that. Uh, Great uh, local brewery right in the heart of downtown Manhattan at 406 Points Avenue uh, in beautiful Manhattan. We've got a couple big-time events coming up that I want to be sure to share with you. On Friday, August 19th, uh, starting at noon and, and rolling on throughout the day, is the Stay Golden release party. Now, the Stay Golden is a new beer that they're going to uh, to be uh, revealing that day, paying homage to uh, former K-State football players as part of the Golden Cats uh, group there. A, a golden ale brewed for K-State football players. This release party is a great opportunity for folks to kind of come out, try out a new beer, and uh, have all proceeds uh, go to uh, to uh, the benefit of the Golden Cats. So great opportunity to come out there and, and really have a, a, a good time out at Manhattan Brewing Company. And that is on Friday, August 19th. Later on here before the Missouri game in week two, so Friday, September 9th, uh, so the day before the Missouri game, uh, is an evening with Stan Weber at Manhattan Brewing Company. From 5.30 to 8 p.m., Stan's going to be there, and he's going to chat with you guys about K-State athletics, and he's also going to be there for a good cause to raise awareness uh, and funds for the Manhattan Walk to end Alzheimer's. Uh, this uh, this is a great event that uh, I'm going to be super excited to be a part of. Uh, the KSU marching band will also be stopping by, so going to get you excited here for uh, for a big game with us uh, with K State taking on Missouri here uh, that next uh, the next day on Saturday. So two really good uh, events here coming up short uh, here here before too long, and then also a big event here uh, on, on September 15th. Oktoberfest at Manhattan Brewing Company. So starting on, and it's a Thursday, September 15th at four o'clock. It's time to celebrate at at Manhattan Brewing Company. The final uh, downtown MHK third Thursday is September 15th. And we are throwing an Oktoberfest celebration. We'll be tapping a special cask of the Fest beer on our patio to kick off the celebration. Streets of Points will be all shut down so you can go walking around uh, and enjoy some of that uh, delicious Fest beer. Uh, getting uh, getting all that uh, information, you can find that at their website, www.mhkbeer, and also on their Facebook page as well. So encourage you to check it out. Some great events coming up there at Manhattan Brewing Company. Also, this kicks off the first of our preview series here for Kansas State. Uh, today, Dell and I will be looking at the offensive side of the football for uh, the 2022 Wildcats, which we think is going to be a real strong suit of this team, and we're excited to break it down for you. to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's the icon, it's Lou, and we are back to talk about football. We're going to be previewing the Kansas State offense here in 2022 and uh, really looking forward to doing so. This is a, a unit that uh, I'm super excited about, returning an All-American type player with Deuce Vaughn and then you know some really 
some guys on the offensive line that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they gel. Cooper VB leading that uh, that group as a uh, potential All-America selection as well. And then you have a guy like Malik Knowles on the outside that uh, has had some flashes here in his career uh, at Kansas State, but looking forward to putting together one of his, maybe his best year as a Kansas State Wildcat. Uh, but would love to uh, love to talk about this with you here, Dell. Great to have you on here. You know, Icon, it's great to be back again this week and bringing our uh, listeners just another week of a, a short side option podcast. Of course, we put this out every week, and it's great to be here with you the week of uh, July 12th. Yeah, exactly. And uh, July 12th. Well, that's today. That's today. That's when August 12th. Oh, that's... Wait, what? You, 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 Sorry, we, this... You gotta get that calendar flipped this, over, though. Uh, this last month has been a blur. Well, hey, I understand. I got, I got a lot going on. Well, I know that you were kind of consumed by the Dylan Edwards decommitment. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, last time we came to our listeners, we were singing his praises about how he's 100% locked in. No, but... I've, I turns out I watched more film on him. He's a complete bum. Yeah, well, you know, we didn't want him anyway. You know, what what uh, what else can you say there? But yeah. uh, you know, dealing this Kansas State offense, we're really looking forward to uh, to breaking it down here for us. But you know, this is a a, a a group that really was kind of inconsistent, you know, throughout times last year, and a lot of that was with the availability of the quarterback. Uh, but there were some games that when Skylar Thompson was healthy and able to play that this offense struggled, and uh, now with a new guy under center, uh, Adrian Martinez as, as the Wildcats' uh, first-string quarterback, you really kind of wonder what he's going to bring to the offense. Obviously, the big story on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Deuce Vaughn as, a, uh, as a, uh, an All-American running back, and also Colin Klein taking over play-calling duties uh, for yeah. Courtney Messingham. Yeah, uh, and we saw a taste of – I mean – I think when you start talking about K-State's offense in 2022, really the biggest story is uh, upstairs. I mean, I think it's in the uh, coach's booth and getting Colin Klein a chance to really show uh, what his complete offense looks like. We saw a taste of it in the LSU game, but that was with the mess offense, yeah. which... And we've talked about it before. Philosophically, I didn't mind the mess offense very much, especially with our personnel. That our strength really was that pro style. We had a pretty good quarterback who could yep. make a lot of throws. Receivers were limited, and we had an all-world running back. So give the ball to him and shoot for the shoot for the moon on the pass plays. But so antiquated. the The pace was ridiculous. We couldn't. Um, go hurry up ever, uh, even when we were down multiple scores. And uh, the rumblings were that the passing game was just extremely complicated. And so um, I'll be I'll be very interested to see what the Colin Klein offense looks like, especially with a dynamic player like Adrian Martinez. Um, but you mentioned it personnel-wise, it's kind of – more or less running it back what we had last year. There's some fresh faces on the offensive line. Uh, obviously a new trigger man in Adrian Martinez. Um, but a lot of the same faces at the skill positions. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. But I'm, I'm pretty bullish on uh, the K-State offense this year. Yeah, really, in terms of your contributors at the skill positions, a lot of it's back. 
I mean, you know, they lose like a Sebastian Taylor, uh, who who had been really out, wasn't around who, much. Who, and I can't remember when he got injured exactly. Was it even before the season? It was prior to the season. Prior to the season. Year. So I mean, he wasn't really even a factor. If he, in that magazine, it'll tell you exactly. I don't know in terms of the uh, returning receivers, uh, who were all really missing. Um, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. Tyrone Howell. Tyrone Howell, but he transferred out after three or four games. So in terms of your pass catchers, um, you know, you're going to have most folks. Ember um, Bebe. Yeah, you matter Bebe. But he was kind of on a on a uh, such a pitch count during the season Landry. Uh, last year. Landry Weber. How can we forget Landry Weber? Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's. Larry Weber actually had a couple of nice games. That yeah. OU game yeah, was... Yeah, a really nice game against OU, yeah. so apologies there to Landry. But, you know, in terms of you're returning your top five or six pass catchers, uh, and, of course, you have Deuce Vaughn out of the backfield as well, uh, That that is very versatile in that respect. I would just say... Joe Irvin. Joe Irvin, but he, I don't, he rarely was ever a factor in the pass game. You'd, but in terms it was, of... It would let you do some different things with Yes, with yes of course, with the, uh, with the backup running back. And... You know, that was the first position I want to talk about today, Dell. Let's go ahead and hit on the running backs. Um, obviously, headline by Deuce Vaughn. There's nothing this guy can't do. For my money, he is uh, one of the top three or four running backs in the country, um, if not uh, e- easily able to make that claim as, as the top running back in the country. But uh, last year, you know, you kind of wondered, like, what what is in store for us here after what was a tr- – Terrific true freshman season, and he goes out and puts it together. Uh, you yep. know, another really great season for Kansas State. Completely validated all our suspicions about him, yeah. and all our optimism about him following the twenty campaign. Now, we mentioned Joe Irvin, uh, who transferred uh, from Kansas State uh, after the regular season had concluded. You look at what this running back room looks like now, and it's a little bare. You've got. Uh, you've got two guys that are probably maybe highest on the list in terms of who would be uh, to maybe eat up some other carries, you know, to spell dues uh, for, for whatever reason. And that's going to be Anthony Frias and DJ Giddens. Uh, Anthony Frias, a guy that we got from um, a, the junior college ranks out in California, a guy that comes in that I believe we actually ended up kind of holding off uh, so, some more prominent West Coast schools like USC, I think, was in on him. And then maybe uh, some other teams out in the Pac-12 uh, ha- had been had been in the mix there. But he chooses to come to Kansas State. And he is a little bit more of a, a kind of your bigger physical back that can get the ball in between the tackles a little bit more. Not that Deuce is you know incapable of that by any stretch. Uh, but a little bit of a different style of a running back uh, than compared to what uh, Deuce Vaughn possesses. Right, and you know, I, I don't think you have to equivocate about it. That's not Deuce's strength. I mean, that's what we were really missing against Texas last year is somebody who can just put their head down and go gain a yard when you need it. And so having that uh, back in there uh, with Anthony Frias is, is a huge, is a huge uh, piece for this team. Just knowing that, okay, if, if we need a yard, that's somebody who can who can get across the line of scrimmage and get some positive yardage. And so, no, I, I don't think there's anything – I mean, that's just not Deuce's specialty. And so, um, yeah, Frias is, is a huge name. Uh, also, 
You mentioned uh, DJ Giddens as well, the the young guy from Junction City. Yeah. Um, Jays. That's right. And I don't know, I wouldn't expect him to do too much this year, um, but maybe he has a spectacular freshman campaign like, like Deuce did, or at least can get some snaps. But also, one uh, change of position on the roster yeah. yep. that uh, you didn't mention, and that's uh, Big Jacks Deneen, who's another guy who can uh, go out there and gobble up some yardage, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, you know, and, and obviously, the prototypical short yardage back right there, I mean, he's, you know, probably about six inches shy of refrigerator Perry, but, I mean, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the, the, uh, the width, size there, he, he's, he, he's, uh, you know, formidable, to say the least. Yeah, the but, width uh, and depth are, uh, yeah. You, you, that's always what you have to be. You have to when you're getting a new refrigerator. Yeah. You have to really measure all three there. You have to make sure it's going to exactly. fit. You know whether if it's it's not just where the old one was necessarily that you have to check. How are you going to get it in there? You know, is it going to be able to fit through your your front yeah. door? You know, or are you going to have to go through the back door? Eat a little Tetris here, and then yeah, and you know exactly. what? And you think of those things, and that's why they call you the icon. That's right. That's right. You can't leave any stone unturned. That's right in that regard. So the running back position, I think there's little concern really about where the where this group is at here as we get into uh, you know the heart of fall camp and, and well, on in here to the regular season, but. I think there is concern if, you know, for whatever any – if Deuce Vaughn's banged up at all throughout the season, if he has to miss some time, then you've got a very inexperienced running back room very quickly. Well, and that's right. And I think, not to spoil my discussion about some of the other positions, is I, I think that depth across especially the skill positions is so critical because I – I think our starters are great across the board, but our margin of error for injury in several spots, not only on offense, but on defense too, is just razor thin. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah. it's easy to say, boy, you look at our starting lineup and across the board, I think we're pretty darn good. Sure. But yeah. injuries happen. And one thing about Deuce is that he's been, I mean, remarkably injury-free for his yeah. entire career. Yeah. And that's a guy who's getting, in some cases, near 30 touches a game. Um, and we've been very fortunate with his record uh, of health so far. And so, knock on wood uh, that that continues. But, um, yeah, obviously, anytime you lose an All-American running back, it, oh, sure. it's a huge deal. Yeah, and, and you know, we mentioned this last uh, last episode when we were kind of giving our brief thoughts here as we were looking ahead to the, the 2022 team. And, you know, from a top 22 perspective, you know, 11 starters on offense, 11 starters on defense, there's not really any team in the Big 12 that I say, you know, I don't feel confident that we can go out and win in that, in that, in right. that on that Saturday. and Or even on that Thursday, if the case called for it. Or Friday. We played on Friday last year. Any day of the week. Any day of the week. Anytime, anywhere. I'm Pat Hill. Uh, but uh, anyway, like what I'm saying is, is that though, in what I think your point is, is I think it's well made, is that depth across the board, especially at the skill positions, is always a difficult thing for Kansas State. It's also pretty much a difficult thing for about 
50 other power fives. That's right. I mean, and, and yeah, if, if we have Jacardia or uh, Wright, was it Jordan? Uh, well, well, there's Jacardia Wright. Jacardia Wright. Yeah, yeah. And Irvin, um, who both transferred out last year because they were behind yeah. All American. Uh, then we, <laughs> our running back room is sitting pretty and probably yeah. the best in the conference. But that's just the nature of the game these sure. days is that people don't want to sit on the bench. Hard to blame them. Um, but this is the product of that. That, that You have an All-American, All-World running back on the first team, then you're going to take some hits elsewhere on the depth chart behind that guy, and you're kind of putting all in on, uh, on Deuce. Sure. Which, if you're going to go all in on somebody, not, not, a, bad, not, <laughs> not, not a bad bet. That's almost like pocket aces there. Yeah. You know, so. And so, uh, nonetheless, pray that Deuce stays healthy, and uh, I think the running back room is going to be very good. I think his size kind of helps with that. Well, it's a little bit like, like, I don't know if you've been skiing. I don't know if you're much of a skier icon. You know, I'm not. But you, if you go out to the ski slopes, you see all these little kids just zooming around. Yeah. My niece is a prime example of this. Well, they're so low to the ground. They fall over and they just, they're, they, they're not falling very far. No. And so, and I think there's something to say with Deuce, too. And even look back at Sproles, another diminutive yeah. little back. Um, those guys are are just uh, durable. Well, and the thing I think, too, with, with uh, Deuce Vaughn is how elusive and shifty he is. You're not able to really square him up. That's you know, and you're able to, uh, you know, he's able to bounce off. I mean, how many times have we seen him just bounce off guys to pick up another three or four extra yards? I mean, he's obviously, you know, he, he's not getting getting arm tackled by, by a lot of guys. He's going to be able to run through, you know, most of those. Uh, so I, I think that just with the way he's um, – with the way his skill set is in terms of his elusiveness and shiftiness, not being able to let people get you know that kill shot on a guy, uh, he'll just make you miss and you know go on for another five or six yards at least. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he has to store for us. I'm just going to read you his stats from last year real quick. Please do. 235 carries, 1,404 yards, 18 touchdowns, six yards an attempt, for 108 yards a game. Uh, he he caught the ball 49 times last year for 468 yards, four touchdowns, and a uh, an average uh, catch uh, of 9.6 yards, an average 36 receiving yards a game. Uh, so last year he accounted for, for 22 touchdowns. Uh, pretty darn good. Very good. And you should have got more carries. Particularly in the yeah, Baylor. and you know maybe that's another reason why he he's been pretty. I won't say carefully because I think that that kind of maybe has the wrong connotation, but I think he's been very strategically used in terms of like knowing what his what his load is, and you know if he's a little bit banged up, if he's a little bit, uh, you know, if he's got a little nick. Uh, you know, keeping him, you know, fresh. I think K-State does a very good job of that. So maybe that's why we haven't seen uh, another uh, another reason why we maybe haven't seen him go out with, with much injury. And I'm sure he's been playing hurt, as every player does at some point during uh, during the season. But he's been uh, no worse for the wear because you certainly can't tell, uh, tell much otherwise. But uh, 
I think that this. And I'm just going to ask you one quick question here on yeah. the running backs, and we're and we're we're done here. I think we both expect Frias and DJ Giddens to maybe have some spot duty, probably. Probably Shippers in there too. Shippers has an opportunity. I would say Frias gets probably the first first. Uh, yeah, you know, go at that. Uh, but in terms of what I just read off for Deuce Vaughn, the 18 touchdowns, the 1,400 yards, do you expect him to, to turn in that same type of uh, stat line here again in, in 2022? I do. And, uh, I mean, let me put it – I. Yeah, I, I would expect him success-wise to be the same. The question is what the Colin Klein offense looks like, whether, especially with a guy like Adrian Martinez, who is, you know, Thompson was a capable runner, but I think they were being careful with him some last year, and he missed and some Adrian, time. Yeah. And, and a lot of dynamics at play last year. And so I think with uh, Adrian Martinez, it's... I, I don't know exactly how carries off or pass rush is going to be distributed with Colin Klein offense. It's a little hard to predict whether we're going to remain close to pretty darn balanced in terms of pass run and, and whether Martinez gets a bigger chunk of the rushes. But I got to think that Martinez being a better runner than Thompson is, which I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb with that. No, no, he's a much they, better runner. Uh, that that's going to free up some stuff for for Deuce because I mean, and I bring it back to Sproles because that's the easy comparison that with Roberson back there, Sproles had his most impressive seasons, mm-hmm. 02 and 03, and then he kind of dropped off in 04 with uh with Dylan Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that being able to play off of Roberson really opened up things, especially in the read option type of stuff because. The quarterback was more of a threat, and defenses had to account for him. It kept linebackers' eyes off of Sproles. Sure. Um, this is I, this is taking me back to a certain game of that 2004 season. Hit me. It takes me back to that 2004 K-State Nebraska game in, in Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, after just you know having beaten Nebraska for the first time and you know. 60 years or whatever, or I guess it would have been 60 years. I think it was about 40 years in uh, in um, in Lincoln the year before. We get him in Manhattan, um, and uh, K-State had been really struggling up until that point in the season. And uh, it wasn't a great Nebraska team either, but uh, Dylan Meyer was not able to play. And starting under center for K-State, Alan Webb. Right. Huge game for both Allen Webb and Darren Sproles on the ground, and I remember after that game, as as me and my mother were driving back to Kent or back to Scott City, I called them to the Wildcat Wrap Up Show, oh, and, I yeah. talked, and I and I broke it down with Chili Dog. I said, Chili Dog, how much of a difference today did it make that you had that dual threat quarterback there? And not, not to say like Dylan Meyer could run. I mean, let's not let's not get, but he was not as good of a runner as Allen Webb. Hey, after that. 03 Iowa State game. Yeah, you I were, compared him to Eric Crouch. Yeah, yeah I, I said he's got Eric Crouch hips, baby. And uh, but in, in Chili Dog, he was he thought it was a terrific cop. Oh yeah. and he 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 really broke it down for me. He did a great job. I mean, he was really complimentary. Of you. He said, "This is great uh, going out to one of our 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 great fans out in Scott City, Chris." So uh, I, I I'm sure Chili Dog remembers that call fondly. Yeah, but all that to say is I think this year the, the table's really set for Deuce to have 
a an all world season in terms of not having the entire offense being like being on him, which it's that's been the case for him a mm-hmm. good chunk of sure. even, even especially when Thompson wasn't in when sure. he was getting when really he was our offense, um, and so being multiple on multiple. offense and and having other playmakers aside from him is really just going to free him up to be the complete threat and, and just really uh, just make things nightmarish for defenses when you have to account for the pass, the quarterback run, and also, by the way, the All-American dynamic running back to yeah. his Yeah, I think that the, the table is set for him to have a really – uh, really special year, obviously, when you look at what Colin Klein is going to bring from the offensive uh, play calling perspective. A little bit unknown, as you mentioned. But one thing I think you can count on, at least with Colin Klein calling plays now, is you're probably going to get more of them. You're going to run at a, maybe a little bit higher tempo. I know that's been a lot of the talk. So getting a few more of those opportunities when you have a guy that's a home run hitter like Adrian Martinez is from the running back or from the uh, from the running perspective as a quarterback, and then also Deuce Vaughn uh, at the running back position. Um, I think you're going to be able to see some really explosive stuff out of those two guys. We'll get to Adrian Martinez here a little bit later, but let's shift our focus now to the guys that are going to be paving the way for Deuce Vaughn. The hog mollies. The hog mollies, the big uglies. (laughs) And uh, this is an offensive line group that I'm excited about here going into 2022. And, you know, really when you look at this this group, you've got big-time NFL talent with Cooper Beebe. Uh, a guy that's expected to be maybe a first uh, first day, second day uh, NFL draft prospect uh, with where he rates as as uh, currently playing probably left tackle for Kansas State, but uh, at the next level may slide into a to an interior lineman position at one of the guard spots. You know, I wanted to kind of just get your feel here. With with there's been a lot of talk about how this offensive line shakes out. I think you've got three places that are pretty well locked in on the offensive line. Now, you're going to start it with, with Duffy, I think. is pretty penciled in at right tackle. Yeah, Christian Duffy and Cooper Beebe, right left tackle. See, I I agree with you, but I think you're taking for granted the, the position battle that's happening at left tackle. Because you're, you're taking it as a given that Cooper Beebe left tackle. And I don't know that that's... I don't know if that's a sure thing either, but I think that's what should be the, be, be the case. Well, well, if we're talking about penciling guys in, I think you start with Duffy, right tackle. Well, you know what? How about we do it this way? How about we just pick five guys? And we go the five guys uh, that we think are, are going to be on that first drive. Let's even be regardless of position. Okay. How about that? Okay. And you can, you can go through your five guys, and I'll go through my five guys. All right. I think it's... Duffy. At right tackle. At right tackle. I think okay. it's Poitier. 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's Is right. it Poitier? I, I, I think it's Poitier. I think oh, it's Sacre bleu. Yeah, I think that's how. He's bullying. He, he, uh, he's been seen uh, in and around fall camp just housing the guests. <laughs> yeah. By, by, by the. Uh, by, in the yes, the, the crepes have been just. Have been, Eaten mercilessly. I mean, just absolutely laying a laying a beat down on him. And then it's center. I think. Are we talking game one here? 
Yeah, let's talk game one. Then I and, think, and maybe and maybe you can even give a one that what you'd like to have it look like. Maybe yeah, I think I think game one it's Hayden Gilliam at center. I think Hadley Panzer or Pansy Hadler. Yeah, depending on <laughs> yeah, depending on what my pronunciation guide says that day. Uh, is will be there snapping footballs by the end of the season, depending on his progression. Now left guard. Now here's where it gets a little tough. But like you. I think left guard is probably going to be KT Leviston mm-hmm. on day one. I think BB's at left tackle. But as we've said, guys like Hadley Panzer, guys like Andrew Lion Gang, yeah. um, they can get in the mix. They can challenge. Oh, absolutely. In, in this, this offensive line, um, Connor Riley has kind of shown that he likes to rotate even throughout the same game. I mean, you might see. Uh, a guy get you know two series at right guard, kind of just mixed in. Which, quite frankly, for a game against South Dakota, that's a okay. I don't really mind that. But when we're playing Missouri week two, I'd like to have the snaps pretty yeah. concentrated by the starting guys. And you know, if a guy goes out with injury or just is not playing well and not handling his matchup, then yeah, maybe you look to to bring in some new blood there. But I remember it was I think it was against. Um, Nevada. I think no, I don't. I think it was against West Virginia is the game I'm thinking of oh. last year. That Logan Long was getting like kind of just some very odd run mm-hmm. and kind of like at the time of the score just didn't really quite make sense. I mean, like we were winning, but like by ten or maybe fourteen points or maybe it was only up by seven. I can't recall the exact situation. And you know he had been just in there for a couple uh, uh, for a, a couple series and then a couple drives. And then he was fl- switched out. I don't think there was any sort of an injury thing, and I can't even really remember at what position he was at. Uh, but it was just stuff like that. I during the game, I, I like to keep things a little bit of continuity, a little bit of continuity, because this is a, a little bit of, of some fresh faces. But the one thing that, and this is, I guess, the pro argument for for why you like to do that rotating, is because a lot of these guys that have played for us uh, that are going to be in that mix of like the kind of the first eight offensive linemen uh, out here for K-State have gotten a lot of playing time. I mean, even guys like... Uh, a guy like Dawson Delforge, for Dawson instance. Delforge has played enough football for Kansas State. He, he played quite a bit during the 2020 season. Uh, but, you know, you get, you have guys like uh, Langang, who really hasn't seen the field at, with, with a whole lot of time. But KT Loveson, uh Cooper Beebe... Uh, Hayden Gillum has seen a little bit of time here and there. So it's a little bit of a thinner group uh, with, with losing Josh Revis and uh, Noah Johnson uh, last year on the interior. But this is a group that I, I have enough trust in, in Connor Riley to, to put together a really nice offensive line. But you have to remember, though, and there's a lot to do with like COVID and all the situation that in 2020, but not having an offseason uh, really of any sort – really hurt that group's development because that 2020 offensive line was a was a mess early on. Yeah. And it, it got going here a little bit later on the season, uh, in that 2020 season. But with that continuity, I was a little worried. I remember back to 2020, I was a little worried about what that offensive line would look like. This year, I don't really have that same concern because, one, you have enough guys that have that experience – and then two, I think that this group is pretty darn talented. Me too. And I think that that kind of wins the day over you know what might have been a little bit less talented and a little bit more green 
uh, offensive line in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I just think that when you have, I mean, no Johnson played a lot of football for K State, sure, but I, I, I don't know that he was the most God given. Talented. No, I mean he guy, was a guy who walked on from a junior college a, to Kansas State. But a sure hand in somebody that was just apparently a great leader on the offensive line. So from a pure talent perspective on the offensive line, I you know, losing Rebus is a shame, but we were talking about it earlier. I, I, I think that a lot of this interior spots, just go find somebody big and mean. Yeah. And, and- yeah, and, I agree. I mean, I think the tackles, especially at the college level, and oddly, especially for K-State, it, it always feels like our tackles are just guards, just our best offensive line. Yeah, you're your best offensive line. Um, Which, you know, from the Dalton Reisner, uh, you know, situation, he was a former center that gets thrown out to left tackle or, or, or out to right tackle or, you know, out to one of those tackle positions just wherever he's needed at. Same thing you saw with Cody White here. Uh, B.J. Finney had played some tackle during, during I believe, the uh, Alamo Bowl. I mean, right. it's like you just throw whatever guy is, 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 the, is the best out there at, the, at that tackle position because if the tackle position breaks down, your, your offense is in a world of hurt. Right. And so, you know, replacing interior guys, all that to say, replacing interior guys sure. is a little bit of a softer landing, I feel like. And so, you know, if... I'd feel a lot better starting line gang out at left guard, for instance, than I would throwing him out on the left tackle island um, trying to deal with Big 12 edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, in terms of replacing what we lost, not so bad. Uh, I think we're going to – anytime I talk about 2023, it <laughs> terrifies me because we have so much to replace yeah. on the offensive side especially – but well, maybe not necessarily. But um, but I I this offensive line is is not giving me any heartburn at all. I have a lot of faith in them, and I, it's probably the position unit that we're the deepest at across the board. I mean, obviously losing somebody, God forbid, BB goes down. Um, but I mean, there have been. People, we've been toying people at left tackle besides BB. Yeah, and, and, and if, if worst case scenario, we have to slot line gang out there and throw in uh, and keep Leviston, Leviston at guard or yeah. vice versa. Um, I think we can do that, and so I I think there's enough guys in that six, seven, eight, even nine spot that can come in and uh, pitch in along the interior. That slotting Levis dinner line gang out wide um, isn't the, isn't going to kill the season. No, I agree with that. I I don't have a whole lot of uh, don't have a whole lot of issues really with what the offensive line um, has coming back here in twenty twenty two. I did want to mention though, you know, I I I've got my Phil Still magazine. I know you're looking at it now, but we were talking off air. I I was surprised. Really surprised to see uh, Phil Sill rank uh, K State's offensive line in a tie for ninth. In the really, baseball. really strange. Uh, really, doesn't make any sense. It was. It, it troubled me. Yeah, I, I don't see it. Maybe it's just because we're replacing a few guys, and or a couple guys. Really, I, it may have been a misprint. I I, it, I, 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 I need to send a letter to the editor. 
It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, we have an all-conference left Possibly tackle. an all-American. Yeah. Quality left tackle. And inside, I think we have players we're certainly comfortable with. Um, so... Yeah, I, when, I, when I saw that, I, I, I as I mentioned, I was I was very cut off guard by that, and and I can understand there are some question marks on the offensive line, but I mean, come on, let's be let's be serious here. I mean that that that's uh, that that was a little. That's bit, not a serious ranking, that, and, and it's troubling by Phil Steele it to is. have printed it, that. Many people are wondering if he's lost his fastball. <laughs> yeah, I am. I I'm certainly wondering that. Well, he's now. getting up there in age. He is, but. Uh, he he kind of has the gold standard of, of preseason college football magazines, but he not as bullish on the uh, Kansas State offensive lineman as we are. I don't get it. We uh, we think it wouldn't surprise me by the end of the season. Now, granted, I think that there are some there are some offensive line situations that in the Big Twelve that I'd certainly rather have than K State's, but not the, many. Not many though. Exactly right. So I don't. I think, mean, really. OU? Yeah, OU, and then um, you, you could maybe say Texas. They're pretty darn green on that offensive line, but of course the talent's there. Um, I can't recall exactly what Oklahoma State has coming back. They, they had a pretty salty offensive line last year. Maybe Baylor? Baylor. Yeah, Baylor's probably got maybe the op- best offensive line in, 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 the, uh, in the league. But beyond that, I mean, I wouldn't trade offensive lines with – with anyone else. What I was going to say is I don't think when when the calendar flips to December, I don't think you're going to look back at uh, – I think you're going to – having watched K-State football throughout the season, you're going to say, you know, this offensive line, uh, this offensive line group is one of the top four in the, com- in the conference. I, I don't think there's any, any question that you'll set back and say, this was a good offensive line. Was it maybe the best in the world? Maybe it was. Yeah, I mean uh, – But I, I don't think you're going to say, that, oh, man, the offensive line really held this team back this year. No, no. If K State craters, it, I really don't think it's going to be because of of the offensive line. Okay. Well, we're we're bullish on the offensive line. We like yeah. what we see there. I think it's. Yeah, I mean, and this just goes to the running game that I think is just going to be out of this world this year. Yeah, really excited to watch that. Um, so yeah, pick your poison because I think it just gets back to this table. It's set for Deuce Vaughn to have. Um, an, an All-American year. Absolutely. Let's go to what I think on the offensive or on the offensive side of football, rather. Excuse me. Biggest question mark. Well, it's I know what you're going to say, and it's perennially the biggest question mark for K State for at least the last since Tyler Lockett graduated. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about the kicking game. Oh, yeah. oh no, 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 no! Oh, I thought no. I was talking. I was just pulling your leg. I'm talking about the wide receivers. Yeah, it's it's a concerning pull. It's a concerning. It's concerning in the lack of overall numbers. I think the off in because you and me would get into these arguments in terms of saying you know like oh I think our a, a common phrase that you would say I think our wide receivers are good enough. Yeah, and they are good enough. If you're looking at eight wins, if you really want to contend for a Big 12 title, you need guys that, when I say you need guys, I'm talking about this current cast of wide receivers. You need guys that 
really are going to rise up here this season. Yeah. Like a Malik Knowles. Like we we've talked about I don't think he's had more than like seven hundred yards receiving in a year. Now granted That's pace. That, that's pace and that's the style of football. Maybe that changes. You've seen the big play uh, ability from him. I mean, gosh, back in 2019, it seemed like our entire offense was based on if he was healthy or not. Right. And uh, 2020, a little bit disappointing, whatever. I'm willing to kind of throw that out. 2021, hit, hit and miss. I mean, seemingly a couple of drops that he should that he should have made uh, and just kind of some more inconsistent play. But 2022... Having a quarterback that I think is going to be able to push the ball downfield for him a little bit more. Uh, not that Skyler Thompson couldn't do that. You saw a little bit more of that later on in the season. But Malik Knowles is, I think, a guy that you have, is, is the leader of the group. Most talented receiver in the group. I think he's going to have to take a big step forward. Phillip Brooks, I think, is kind of under underappreciated, really, to be honest with you. I think it's a guy that, you know, when you think of K-State receivers – also with what he provides in the, in the kick and punt return game. Uh, a guy that maybe is a little bit under the radar. When it comes to a guy that works in and out of the slot, he doesn't maybe have the most explosive speed. He's maybe not the most sudden. He's got plenty. Of, he, I mean, he's not slow by any stretch. But he, I've been impressed with how he runs his routes a little mm-hmm. bit. I think he's made big steps in that, uh, in that area of his game here over the last year or two. And then a guy like Cade Warner. You have to remember, Kate Warner and Adrian Martinez have known each other for a long time. Yeah, they they were they were. I actually watched uh, some Adrian Martinez highlights. I think it was against Iowa in in a you know their Black Friday game. Uh, Iowa's go, or Nebraska's going for two to either tie the game up or go ahead. I can't recall exactly the situation. And Martinez is rolling, scrambling for his life here as, as he's trying to get this two point conversion. And he kind of just throws a, a YOLO ball here into the back of the end zone, and who catches it? None other than Cade Warner. Yeah. So they, they've got some connection there, of course, from their time at Nebraska. And, you know, honestly, he's kind of that that nice little number three, number four, number five wide receiver for for a team that is always going to be, be, be sound in terms of, you know, where he's at on the field. Um and he had some nice, nice games for us. He was kind of later on in the season was kind of becoming a little bit more of a dependable target. But in terms of really what I think is going to elevate this group, it's got to be between two or three guys that need to really show out and make that next stamp step forward. That's Jaden Jackson, R.J. Garcia, and maybe do we see something from Keenan Garber? Yeah, I think the most likely character out of those, if I was betting. Who is going to be? Who is going to step up to, to really give us another viable threat uh, from the receiver position? I think it's RJ Garcia. Um, like, it. You talked to me about this last year. I'm saying Keenan Garber, but man, I the guy just has not been able to uh, at least last year, which was really his first year, and I think it's probably too early to get anywhere close to writing him off, but. Uh, Garber just wasn't able to to really get off the line of scrimmage last year, and that's partly a function of him being, you know, what a, a buck seventy, buck sixty. Pretty slight build, yeah. Um, and so I'm uh, I'm not counting on him until further notice, but Garcia is apparently uh, 
really getting some a bunch of reps this uh, got a bunch of reps this spring got a bunch of reps this fall uh, people are pretty positive on him now they're positive with Garber too last year but uh, if if K-State's going to have kind of an, an unknown step up, I think it's probably Garcia. But, boy, Jaden Jackson would be a, a really nice surprise, too, if he was able to uh, come in here and, and give our offense another uh, another option out there on the edge. Yeah, you know, I think with, with what you mentioned, I would agree with you. I think R.J. Garcia is the guy that I'm most looking for to really take that next step. Jaden Jackson would be the second one, and then and Keenan Garber is probably the least likely of those three. Really what it comes down to me, though, is another thing here is health. It's huge because once you get past, you know, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, it, you know, if those guys were, were dinged up and had to miss um, significant time, you start wondering how you're going to get guys open. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, if that separation is going to be able to be created by, by this wide receiver group. This is another group that I, I believe Phil still had rated as either the worst or, or the second to worst in, in the league. And this one I can get on board with. I, I, I can say this is a, big, is a big concern for me here as we look forward to 2022. This receiving group, I think, if it if it could even say by the end of the season, when you after you get done watching all the college football or all the Big Twelve football, and after you've really had time to study it, uh, that you uh, that you're able to say, you know what, this K State off a wide receiving group is all right. You know, it wasn't the best. It wasn't you know TCU's. It wasn't it wasn't uh, Oklahoma's, but it was like you know. A little bit better than average, right? If that's the case, then I think K State's going to have a really nice year. Well, and you're going to roll your eyes at me here. Is it good enough? I think it's good enough. It's good enough. I mean, I it's harder for me to go out on a limb this year without saying what Klein's offensive philosophy really is. But assuming it's what it should be, and that's run first offense, uh, still kind of in that pro style, utilizing a lot of play action, utilizing plenty of screens then we don't really need that many receivers. I mean, if Malik Knowles can be playing at a second-team all-conference level and Phillip Brooks does what he does and is an option, you know, basically holds serve, then I just don't think who's going to be our fourth wide receiver is a question that's all that important for this offense. When you have an all-American running back and a quarterback who can move pretty well on the ground too, because if if our running game is is great as it should be, and it should be great, then the passing game is not that hard of a nut to crack because you can just utilize play action and, and utilize the big plays over the top. Which not for nothing, but that's what Adrian Martinez has done his whole career, and not for nothing, we have your guy Sammy Wheeler in the tight end spot, that one thing that drove me nuts about Messingham is how often we were in five wide sets. That we were putting guys like Seth Porter is on the field instead of guys like Briley Moore or Emmer Bebe or Wheeler. or There's not really any reason that K-State should ever be in five wide given our personnel and offensive philosophy. I, I just don't see it. Um, and if we do go five wide... Put Deuce on. Put 
do some yeah, of the fun out there. Yeah, and so I, I put it this way: Malik Knowles needs to have a very good season. I mean, he needs to have his best season this year. But if he does have his best season, then I think we're probably going to be okay. And I think probably, I think okay is good enough for K State to have an offense that wins a Big 12 championship. Assuming everything else hums like it needs to hum in terms of the running game and tight ends and that sort of thing. Um, but from a strictly a talent perspective, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's not a wide receiver core that's going to jump off the page and terrify defense coordinators, but I do think it's a wide receiver core that is capable enough to be a, a necessarily serviceable change-up to this offense's ground attack, um, where you cannot put eight, nine in the box to stuff, to clog everything up there without really sacrificing a lot uh, in the passing game. Because Malik Knowles can punish you downfield. Phillip Brooks can get open. Um, And so, yeah, obviously it would be great if R.J. Garcia steps up and becomes the next dynamic K-State wide receiver. But I I don't think the success of our offense necessarily requires R.J. Garcia to have a second-team all-conference year or get 500 yards or whatever. Okay. I was looking back here through the statistics. Malik Knowles had forty or had twenty nine catches for four hundred and forty one yards, averaged fifteen point two uh a reception for four touchdowns. Deuce Vaughn uh you know was the second leading wide receiver, four hundred and sixty-eight um yards receiving. He had the most receptions on the team last year. Four touchdowns. Phillip Brooks led the team in receiving yards, 543 for two touchdowns. What I would say is if you can get uh, – I'm going to leave Deuce out of this. Although I, I'm just going to count for him as being, you know, Steady we'll, say, we'll say flat there yeah. in terms of that level of production. If Malik Knowles can go from 441 yards to say 700, that's almost doubling his production mm-hmm. nearly. If Phillip Brooks can be about that same, and then if R.J. Garcia slash uh, Jaden Jackson slash Keenan Garber can come in there and replace Malik's production at like 400 yards receiving. So I'm asking for an extra 700 yards here. (laughs) That's a lot. I think that's what it's going to take for K-State to really feel really, really good about this position group here in in, – in, uh, in 2022. And you also have to remember that 25% of the games last year were us going ultra run heavy with, yeah, with Will Howard. With Will Howard. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, in the Texas game, for instance, what do we have? Like 80 yards passing or yeah. something? Yeah, if that. Even. Um, and so, no, I think it's doable. I, I just think that in terms of K-State's offense, K-State needs... Two wide receivers to be good to very good. And I think that beyond that, if you can just have a slot guy who can basically play at Phillip Brooks' level, um, I I just don't think the offense requires 
crazy depth at wide receiver. I mean, obviously injuries factor into that, but this isn't a Mike Leach offense where our fifth wide receiver is going to be required to have 40 catches a year. Um, so, no, I, I think our we, we didn't supplement our wide receivers like I would have hoped out of the transfer portal um, beyond Jaden Jackson, but I, I just looked at Knowles and Brooks and, and Warner and Garcia, and I think they probably get it done for us. Yeah, a little bit more faith than I do. Uh, I think that, that that's a, if if I had to go back to back rewind to to March April sometime in that time frame, I think the biggest thing that I would have done if I was in Chris Kleiman's shoes is really address this this position group with numbers and getting you know yeah because Jaden Jackson I think was the only you know at least high profile uh, transfer in from the wide receiver group that I can recall. I would have thrown three or four at him. And, and try to get because if Philip Brooks is your third guy and you can get another kind of bigger, taller possession wide receiver to pair with Malik Knowles, I think you've got yourself a really good looking wide receiver. I agree. No, I and, don't get me wrong. I would like if our wide receivers were and better. and yeah, no, and I and I, I get what you're saying. I just think that it it is going to be one thing that I think if something does hold this offense back, it's that. And I I don't think that you. Can I agree. No, I else. I agree with that. Um, sure. And uh, I have a lot of faith in the run first philosophy, you know, kind of diminishing the importance of the wide receiver position. Um, and that's going to be a tough, and that's always been a tough position for Kansas State to recruit well. Uh, well, just part because, of, you know, our, our solid offense and solid play throughout the number of years. Um, but, you know, it's something that I think is going to be interesting to keep an eye on, and we certainly will here. Uh, throughout the 2022 season. Anything else you want to add on the wide receivers? No. Uh, unless I... Are we going to have a specific tight end discussion? So you can you know, gas up your, your I was going to get into that. I was going to ha- give him his own little shine here. Sammy Wheeler. Yeah. This is a guy that I've been all over since... Remind me, 2018 or 2019? 2019. I, I think so, too. I'm a huge Sammy, fan of Sammy Wheeler. I think that he, what he provides from a tight uh, from a tight end position, you know, he's he's really transformed his body. You have to remember he was brought in uh, to Kansas State as a quarterback recruit out of Mill Valley here in Kansas City and uh, out of Shawnee, I should say. And uh, this is a guy that I think really, if he can put it all together this year, could be that extra weapon yeah. in the passing game. And you know, with well, him, he showed. I mean, he. Had- Games last year where you really flexed that big West Virginia catch. Yeah, what about the stones there on Mess to call? Yeah. Or, well, yeah, people like to give uh, Mess a hard time. Fair, he's gone now. But you got to give him credit for that one. That's <laughs> a little seam right down the chute. Riverboat Gambler. Yeah. That was well, an important play. It was a big time play. Big time play. I was like, I cannot believe they're actually going for this. Yeah. But, uh, sure enough, you know, I, I like Simon Wheeler. I think he's a guy, now he is coming off uh, kind of a big. Uh, big leg injury. I can't remember exactly what it was. If it was uh, an Achilles or, or what the case was there. It was an amputation. No, I don't. I think he's. I think he's still. He's got her out there. Uh, he's got. He's still got he's, that. He's wheel. not gimped up yet. But uh, no, I think he's going to be having a nice year. Uh, no, I'm good about old Ben Sinnott. Yeah, you know they move him around. It's like he's a, kind of the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and he's essentially kind of replaced Jax as the 
primary fullback. Uh, and then, of course, Connor Fox. Connor with a K. And uh, I believe Will Swanson rounds that group out. Yeah, but, you know, if anyone if anyone is going to be talking the tight ends, you know, Philly's still here. This is another thing that you have to wonder where he's really at. He, he uh, lists Ben Sennett as your, as your starter at the tight end position. Yeah. No, that's Sammy yeah, Wheeler, I, folks. I, I, uh, that's Sammy Wheeler, actually. And you know what? I'd like to see Sammy Wheeler get in the mix this year on a little throwback pass action. How about that? <laughs> I like that call. That's a prediction. Yeah, a little double pass action. Yeah. What do you think of that? I love it. Who was that? Who was that? Uh, God, I think it was. I want to say he was a Prince Arab. He was the punter. I want to say like Martin. Daniel Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, from, uh, he was a rock buster. Garden City Community College. Just think of the fake punt opportunities, man. Yeah how how does how does the opposing the opposing special teams coordinator? They're just gonna have to go out there in the four three and just say fine, just go get great field position on us. Yeah, you know I remember the one thing too that I always found funny about uh, Daniel Gonzalez is he played wide receiver too. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, how about that? I mean, wait, was was he a quarterback? No, he's wide receiver. Ah, okay. For yeah. some reason, I thought he was... Maybe he was a wide quarterback at, like... I, I always remember... No, him you're right. Back. He was a wide receiver. But I always thought it was funny that at Tubby's, uh, they had his jersey up there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... It was like... I can't remember... Was it, it was 88? Like, it was like... Yeah, 88. I think it was 88. It's like, you know, Michael Beasley, like Jacob Pollitt, or I mean, whoever it is up there. Bishop Beasley... Daniel Gonzalez. Daniel Gonzalez. Wildcat legend. Wildcat legend right there. Maybe that that is that one right there. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's let's go into the quarterback position now. Let's talk about who's who's taking the snap first first snap of the season for K State. Better be Adrian Martinez. (laughs) It's not something's gone wrong. (laughs) If something if it's not Adrian Martinez. This is just a cruel joke being played on us by 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 Chris Clamp. Yeah. Um, let's talk. I mean, let me break down kind of the rundown on Adrian Martinez. He's fire away, Dell. He's I, I, I lend my ear to you. <laughs> he's coming off injury. Hasn't got much time. Uh, getting warm this spring, this fall. But the beat on him at Nebraska was he's pretty much been their entire offense for the last. Three four years, um, he is dual threat. He can move the ball on his on the ground with his legs. He can pass it. Uh, he's turned the ball over a whole bunch. Yep, oh. yep, and that's always been the case with him. Is that it's, and unfortunately for Adrian, and unfortunately for the fans of the corn. They come at very inopportune times. Yeah. <laughs> like almost like the worst possible time. Right. Yeah. Um now played behind an offensive line that got him sacked a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh apparently a talented offensive line, so I'm told. Uh the film, the all twenty two, begs to differ with that. Yeah. Um and so never played with an all American running back. To love that. In his pocket this year, uh, but the turnover bug has bit him a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. What about yep. thirty interceptions over the course of his career? Oh gosh, whole I bunch mean, of fumbles. You know, let me get that pulled up. It, it, and it's to me, and I've watched a fair amount of Nebraska football. I haven't watched every snap. 
But I have watched every snap of Avery Martinez's games against Michigan last year and Oklahoma. And, you know, the things that take place in those games, it, it really comes down to this. It's the timing. Of, of these interceptions that's oh and these fumbles so last year 14 touchdowns to 10 interceptions he's in his career he's 45 interceptions to 30 touchdowns and let me just read you the passing numbers just real quick I'm just going to read touchdowns to interceptions freshman year 17 to 8 after his freshman year you might remember this but you know gambling just got legal I think in Iowa in Nebraska and oh, he yeah. was like a huge like favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. You're getting minus money. You well, not I don't know if it's minus money, but he was <laughs> such a short favorite. And you know, he was a legitimate contender for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, preseason. But I mean, let's pump the brakes. I mean, I he might have been maybe deserved to be at thirty to one instead of like two to one. Yeah. I mean, but uh anyway, seventeen to eight, pretty darn good for a freshman. Next year, ten to nine. Now, he had fought some injuries. COVID season, 4-3. to three, You can almost throw that out a little bit. And then last year, 14-10. to 10. Let me read you the sack numbers. 23 sacks on 347 dropbacks in his freshman year. 23 sacks on 251 dropbacks. 11 sacks on 151 dropbacks. 27 sacks on 306 dropbacks. So he's getting... 27 sacks is a, is a lot of sacks. He's getting beat up a lot. And then that also is into... And he's coming off of an injury. We should mention, too, with his shoulder, his labor. And he's expected to be full go and, and 100% fine. However, this is a guy that's been sacked 84 times so far in his career. And is also carried the ball 508 times. Yeah. This is a guy that has... Got beaten up a lot. And I, the reason why I say this, you're like, okay, what's the point? What's the point here, Icon? Get to it. Is he was the offense. Yeah. I mean, he was, like, as much as Deuce Vaughn has been the offense for Kansas State uh, in his in the most uh, recent two years for Kansas State, Adrian Martinez has been doing that for, for four years yeah. as, as a quarterback. And the, you see his name. You know, littered up and down the line of, of you know most passing yards in Nebraska history, which I think before him was like five. In his in, in a career, five passing yards. Yeah, five. I think Eric Crouch had five passing. Oh, that's yards. pretty. One, two in one season. No, you, you remember the deep ball to Kenny Cheatham in '98 Nebraska. Yeah, great, great pass and catch there. Yeah, Eric Crouch also the leading receiver for Nebraska in history. <laughs> the the, uh, the throwback gets on you absolutely, yeah. but you know he's played a ton of football. You're going to get a guy that's experienced and that's played in some big games. Obviously, uh, now the one thing that, that you're going that people that are, are naysayers of Martinez, so yeah, he's played a lot of football. He's been in a lot of big games. Just lost, lost a whole bunch. Yeah, just lost them all. I mean, or, or lost a huge amount of them. <laughs> he's seen the bullets fly, but he but he's been out there and he, he this is a guy that. If I think we had this conversation last year with what what does K State do with the quarterback position entering twenty twenty two? Skylar Thompson graduates. Will Howard, you know, doesn't look ready for Showtime yet. Jake Rublin, we haven't seen. What where does K State go? And I said, you know, I think you can find a guy in the transfer portal. 
I think you can find a guy that you know at, that's maybe played at a at, at the P five level that has done it fine, and you know just needs a change of scenery. Adrian Martinez is a step up from what I thought we would be able to yeah. find in the portal. He is just what the doctor wanted. And I don't think you could have found uh, a better fit for, for one, for what K-State needs and also for what Adrian Martinez needs because you get some of that help in the running game. You get a, a culture that's a little more steady and a, a much better offensive line. You have some guys to throw to outside. You're high on them. Oh, yeah. You're high on him. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this is a great situation for both Adrian Martinez. And, you know, one thing that I think you can say for, for all Nebraska fans that, that I've come across, and I, I know, I, unfortunately, I know plenty of Nebraska fans, but uh, they all speak highly of the kid. They're, they're hoping for the best for him. And I think they're going to be interested to see how he does at, at Kansas State because I think that you can maybe make a uh, – kind of a determination on Scott Frost uh, a little bit. And what not only maybe Scott Frost, but the entire staff at Nebraska yeah. has done if if uh, in, in one offseason uh, Adrian Martinez comes in and, and really does a nice job for Kansas State. Yeah. Um, Icon, we're going to hop into a segment now that I call Data with d I see. I can, I can almost see the gears turning. I love it. Last year... K-State running backs eclipsed 100 yards eight times. Okay. Deuce Vaughn had eight 100-yard rushing game. Cannonball Joe get close, or he, I would have guessed he probably didn't get too close. Just not enough carries. Yeah, I don't know. Not <laughs> this isn't part of the data. Set. The, the data set does not include Cannonball Joe. <laughs> no, it doesn't include Cannonball Joe. Um, the number of times Nebraska running backs rushed for over 100 yards. 12-game season last year? Two. Twice. I think Adrian Martinez not being the complete focal point. Adrian Martinez not having the entire offense on his shoulders. And really, Adrian Martinez serving as really kind of a complimentary role, which is, I think, just the nature of K-State's quarterbacks in the Deuce Vaughn era. I think that is really going to help him out. And especially when you factor that into an offensive line that you and I are pretty excited about and a line that has been paving the way for for Deuce for the last two years uh, to great success. Uh, I I just think, like Deuce, I think the table's kind of set for Adrian Martinez to kind of have a great swan song here and be in an offense that is really tailor-made for him this this offense that really allows the quarterback to run, but isn't completely uh, one-dimensional in terms of the trigger man is the offense and everything runs through him. But rather, no, you're going to be handing the ball off at least 20 times a game. Um, you're going to be asked to run the ball probably 6 to 15 times a game, I would think. Um, and you're only throwing the ball... 25 times a game, maybe 30. But uh, I just think that that lack of pressure and the lack of the team goes the way Adrian Martinez goes really allows him to just be more within himself and not have to feel like he has to do every single thing in terms, uh, in, in order for 
K-State's offense to have success. Um, and I, I just think the best example of that is that 100-yard running Yeah, that's stuff. a great stat. It, well, and especially when you consider how slow K-State was last year. That Nebraska, decent chance they were running seven or eight more plays a game than us. Oh, easily. Um, I don't really know what their pace was. I know what ours was. Uh, theirs was much quicker, no question. Yeah, assuming they were average, then they're probably running anywhere from seven to ten more times than us. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think that Adrian, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what Adrian Martinez can do for us this year. I I hope he stays healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, that's a concern because he's had injuries. And, and it, it would it, feel like Groundhog Day, man. It would, um, it would. I, I don't know if K-State fans could could handle uh, another devastating quarterback injury and uh, multiple games with our backup running things. Yeah, I, 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 I prefer not thinking about that. Yeah, you, you know, know what? Let's, let's, just, let's just not talk about that. Well, let's just not that. talk about it. Uh, so, for K-State's quarterback room, it's great. Great. I, I like what uh, – I like everything you said there, D-Lil. I, I love data with D-Lil. Yeah, well, look for it. it it's uh, it's going to be here all season. Okay, I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm really looking forward to with Adrian Martinez, he throws a really nice deep ball. Yeah, and that's really what his bread and butter was in Nebraska. I mean, this whole game nice, was kind of feast or famine. Got some nice touch. Um, you know, with what you saw with K State uh, in that bowl game against uh, Louisiana State uh, in in Houston, Texas. You saw K-State doing a little bit more things with motion, getting guys out of the backfield, having those some of those quick hitters, but also rolling the rolling the pocket with the quarterback a little bit, getting the quarterback out in the move. That's a that's kind of a bit of a uh, of a Messingham thing from like kind of under center, where you know you, 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 the bootleg, yeah, that whole action, run run and flood the one side of the field. You see a little bit more of that possibly with Colin Klein out of the shotgun, just rolling the pocket, getting guys out of the move. I think that that fits his game really well, but I am really excited to see what might happen for K-State getting the home run ball down the field. Also to say, too, in terms of home run hitting ability, the Adrian Martinez, well, uh, we were going to get in the Yankees a little bit later on, if that's okay. <laughs> I, I have my, my own thoughts about their current struggles uh, here in the American League uh, as, they're, as they're jockeying for position with the Astros for a top record in, 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 the, in the junior circuit. And jockeying with the Mets uh, for who's going to be the king of New York. Well, that will be decided in October. So some time here to, to, to go for that. But... Adrian Martinez is a home run hitter from the from the uh, from the quarterback position in terms of his, his feet that K State has not had since Al Roberson, and that, my friends, adds a huge dimension to the game. Now, you said anywhere from six to fifteen. Oh, Alex Delton. Alex Delton. UCLA fans are still, you know. <laughs> Not for nothing, Nash, but gnashing their teeth. For for all his flaws, Delton was fleet of foot. He was. He was a good runner. But but point taken. Anyway. Point taken there. So with what with what you're going to see from Adrian Martinez is I'll be really interested to see kind of how they utilize him in the running game because you have to play that fine line of. Hey, do we, do we really want to run this guy twenty times a game with? 
you know, a backup quarterback situation that we're not exactly thrilled about. Or like saying, hey, man, our offense, we really need this extra boost because this guy just gives us a, a huge threat in that, in that area of the game. It's going to be something I'm excited to see. I don't think you're going to see as much of the, you know, QB power type stuff as what you saw with with a Colin Klein. I think Colin Klein's maybe the perfect person for this because he knows you can't go through a season carrying the ball 30 times a game, right. 25 times a game. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that this is another example of how Really, in terms of the marriage between Adrian or Adrian Martinez, I am gonna definitely call him Taylor Martinez, like at least five times this season. Flashbacks to uh, yeah, twenty ten. But uh, I think that it's a great fit with what he does on the, on the ground. That might be his his best attribute. What's your sweet spot in terms? Let's do it this way. Sure. On three, let's each say our sweet spot in terms of number of carries per game for Adrian Martinez this year. Do you have a number in your head? I do. One, two, three, twelve. 12. Wow. <laughs> How about that? Amazing. We're, it's, twelve. We're it's about what Thompson did last. I mean, really, I think that if we can use Adrian Martinez, not necessarily in exactly the same way, um, because I don't really love quarterbacks that aren't Colin Klein running between the tackles very much. And, and Thompson did that more than I thought was really appropriate. But in terms of just utility, um, utilization, frequency of the quarterback running the ball, I think Martinez should be about where Thompson was last year um, in terms of how often he's running it. And if uh, it, 12 times a game seems about right for that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that number goes up against Oklahoma State, against Baylor, against Texas, against Oklahoma. You might see him carrying it maybe closer to 20, depending on the situation of the game. But it, you just have to, you have to know, your, know your players. You have to know what they're, what they're dealing with in terms of, you know, how much they can take on. But I don't want to limit that part of his game because I think that's what really can make him a, a – kind of a one-of-a-kind quarterback, at least in terms of how we look at it here in the Big 12, in terms of what he can do running the football. Because, uh, the you know, you look back, I've seen some comparisons to L. Roberson and uh, Darren Sproles with this Deuce Vaughn, uh, Adrian Martinez uh, running attack uh, of what that could look like. Now, granted, we're not playing football back in 2002, 2003, where you're, you're running the, the triple option and, and running out of the power eye you and know, a lot with, of those wide uh, zone reads. Yeah, but I think I think you can be you can be um, a little bit more lenient on, on those number of carries if you're putting him in the right positions where he's not jamming himself up into the middle of the line. He's getting outside and you know he he's have to make a safety or cornerback uh, bring him down rather than a you know 250 pound uh, linebacker or defensive end. Right, and we'll get to see how Klein. I mean, really the. RPO has been around for long enough now where it's not this niche little gadget stuff. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Colin Klein utilized that more in our offense, especially with a guy like Taylor or no, I did Adrian yeah, Martinez. It's it's bound to happen. Um, and and really just give him the agency to decide whether or not how often he's carrying it. Um, and so I I would expect 
there to be a, quite a few option type plays in some respect, whether it's an RPO or or uh, the traditional running read, uh, where he's able to decide on a given play. Okay, is is this one where I want to hand it off to the All American, or are is that DN selling out, and I'm going to have quite a bit of run room to run here. Um, but yeah, I, I think that having a true dual threat, and not to say that Thompson couldn't get it done on the ground because he was perfectly capable, but really a, a viable threat on the ground who can really punish you to the tune of 60, 70 yards if, if he gets uh, enough daylight is, is huge. You know, and one thing, too, that I want to mention, I, I'm kind of looking it up here as I go. In terms of K-State's uh, ability in the red zone last year, you left a little bit to be desired there, it seems like, off uh, off of memory. I think that you get him down in the goal line, kind of how we use Skylar Thompson at some times uh, with that uh, picking up that extra man in the running game. You hear about that all the time. I think K-State's, you know, inside the 20 is really where you, you really lean on that uh, with, with, with the quarterback run game. And I expect that to be a real strong yeah. suit for K-State this year. I wanted to go back to Adrian Martinez and before we, uh, before we uh, jump off here and look at the kicking and give our final thoughts here. But uh, last year, I'll, I'll read you the stat line. 189 completions to 306 attempts. Uh, 2,863 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and then on the ground, 525 yards, 13 touchdowns. What does the stat line uh, for Adrian Martinez look like here in 2022? If you had to, if you had to put your put your thumb on something. Let's see. Let me get out my calculator. Here. Get out the calculator. While you're doing that, I'll I'll go ahead and give mine. I think you're gonna see a guy that's gonna be about. 20 touchdowns, throws for about 2,500 yards, uh, probably has close to, you know, eight or nine interceptions, uh, but, you know, a a 20, 22, we'll call 22 touchdowns to nine interceptions, and I think he adds another 550 yards on the ground for for about 12 touchdowns. So I think you're going to see, you know, an uptick in in what he's doing uh, in terms of the touchdowns on the, on the, uh, the passing side. Uh, about the same rushing performance, but he cuts down the turnovers and, and uh, really plays a, a little bit more within himself because he's not going to be asked to do everything for, for this Kansas State offense. Yeah, I, I think somewhere around 2,100 yards passing. Um, touchdowns pro- probably about 14 or so, at least through the air. Uh, pro- I think... Uh, Somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 attempts or so. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that if, if he can uh, just cut down on the turnovers, man. That's, that's really the name of the game. But I also think that just 27 sacks in one season. I don't think that's... That number gets cut, I, I would say, two-thirds. Yeah, I mean not two thirds. He'll probably get sacked, probably close to like eighteen times. But you'll see a nice, a nice reduction there. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he, I think he eclipses two thousand yards, give or take, at least in the regular season. Um, 
But no, I think that would be pretty efficient stuff from him. Just has to cut down turnovers and has to stay healthy. All right, let's look at special teams real quick. Chris Tennant. This guy that I'm a little worried about. You love him. I do like I like what he has. Big leg. A little bit of accuracy concern. Nobody's talking about this. I've been very concerned about this. <laughs> You're concerned about the kicker every offseason. The kicking game. Well, I was concerned about with Blake Lynch. Yeah. Good little guy. Yeah. You were concerned about it last year. I was. I was. And I'm concerned about this year. From from the uh, the, uh, the the punting position, Ty Zetner. Oh, feel very good about that. Astro leg. Uh, kickoffs feel great about that. The the kick return punt return game. Kickoffs won us the Texas Tech game last year. Yeah, that was a huge, 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 huge point that you made there. He, <laughs> Thank you. There was now what was it? we had like a fit we had offside. You're like kicking off from our own ten yard line. And he was booting them back, and we were you know hemming them in, hemming them in inside the you know the 25, 30 yard line with because when you kick off from the ten. You start thinking, because if you want, if you really boot it, you outkick your coverage, and they get the ball 40, 50-yard line probably. Yeah. Or I, there was a time that I was, during that game, we were watching together. I was like, you know what, just kick it out of bounds. Yeah. Just I, give it to exactly. him at 40, and, or 30, I guess it would be the... Get it past the 40-yard line. Yeah, and, and just kick it out of bounds. Yeah. We'll, we'll start there. I'll tell you what. The 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 punting game, I, I feel good about the kickoffs. Great. The kick return, punt return game. Malik Knowles uh, and Phillip Brooks, you feel good there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in a, in a certain case, kind of like what you, what you see with like the Kansas City Chiefs, where they would put Tyree Kill back uh, to return punts in certain situations with uh, Deuce Vaughn. I don't know if that's in the cards for Kansas State. Maybe, maybe not a terrible idea, but also... I don't know why he shouldn't. It's an idea. It's an idea. But yeah, why is Phil Brooks punt re- returning punts for us? You don't want to have that guy get hurt. Twenty-two in, in the kicking game. Yeah, but punt return touchdowns are. Don't want nice. him to get tired. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want him to return too many and then just be tired. Yeah, I guess you don't. Want but to I, have I don't. Him I don't mind having. I don't mind having Deuce Vaughn back there as an ace in the hole, though. Uh, I don't either. In, in some cases, which I think Phil Brooks does a really good job back there, so I'm not. That's not priority number one. But so I always had that thought back in about like what that had been 2000, um, probably about 2000, 2000 or 1999 and 2000 with Aaron Lockett and David Allen. Why not get them both back there? Because they would just kick away from David Allen. You know, maybe they can kick, kick away from. Both of them, if they're back there, but it really kind of makes it a little bit tougher to do that. Well, you're so predicated on the other 10 guys, too. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. But anyway, Kristen has the leg talent. Just need to see him put it together. Bottom line. Yeah, and he's maturing. He's still pretty he's young. He's a big dog. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he, I'm he, saying he's not physically maturing. I'm saying that he's, he's still like pretty six, young. He's like 6'1", like 215 pounds. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's... Good size. You don't see many kickers that... that Looked like they could, you know, be a running back out there. Sea bass. Well, yeah, sure. That, that, that's one example. That's yeah. one of the spectrum. But uh, anyway, the kicking game I'm a little concerned about. You, you're, you're, you're never really worried about the kicking game until it ends up not working for you. Yeah. Case in point, 2002-2001. 
2002, man. Yeah, not not, not great. But we, we like what we have on the special team side. We just need to see some consistency with Chris Tennant. Yep, fair that's to say. right. Fair to say. And, and we should know that pretty quick because if I remember right, we had a little bit of an extra point issue last year for mm-hmm. a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a bugaboo. But hopefully uh, against South Dakota, we can uh, put those concerns to rest and see a lot of uh, – Chris Tennant kicking the ball through the uprights. All right, so we've pretty much gone through the entire offensive side of the ball here. Yeah. I want to leave the the floor to you to, here to wrap us up in terms of any X factors that, that you're looking for. One, two, three guys that, that, that you're really keeping your eye on and say, you know what, if this guy can really take that next step or, you know, if this guy – can, you know, is already, you know, a guy that's going to be counted on, but can really even tune up his game and fine-tune some mm-hmm. things, that it can really make a big stretch here for, for K-State in terms of what it means on field uh, for this offense. Dell, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the floor here. All right, I'm going to say health across the board, number one. Um, sure. Because Malik Knowles goes down, Deuce Vaughn goes down, uh, Adrian Martinez goes down, then that is any one of those injuries could potentially be a multi-game shift in the win-loss record for K-State, especially Deuce and Adrian. Uh, in terms of guys stepping up, I think you know one guy we, we didn't really talk about much in the offensive line is Christian Duffy. Mm-hmm. Because last year in... He was okay. I, I think he had a, a fine year. He, he had some missteps. And I think that really shoring up that right side of the line, I'm not concerned about the left side at all. But that right tackle spot, uh, assuming we have, it goes Duffy, uh, uh, Poitier, Gillum, either uh, Line Gang or uh, Leviston, and then BB right to left. I feel pretty comfortable with that lineup, those other four spots. And I feel comfortable about Duffy, too. But he's one guy that I think we really need to be solid to really anchor our offensive line. Two sides, just two very good tackles. So that's one guy that, if he can step up and and really have a nice year, potentially be at a second-team all-conference level, then I think it really short, I, then I do think we have probably a top two offensive line in the conference. So that's one guy that I think if, if he steps up, then it, it makes our offense that much better. And then uh, RJ Garcia. I okay. think that's that's the other guy that if there is going to be another face that rises up and uh, is another real threat, big play threat in the wide receiver core, I think it's going to be him. Um, like I said earlier, I think we can survive without that. I think our offense can be very good with average wide receivers. <clears throat> but if R.J. Garcia can step up and really have a breakout year, then watch out because then I think we can legitimately have one of the two or three best offenses in the conference. I like it. You know, that's pretty much what I which with what I had for for an X factor. I'm going to add a, a few more guys in here that I, I'm looking for. I'm looking for Anthony Frias, you know, just as a guy that he's not going to be asked to do a ton. Probably 15-ish 
snaps a game, pass protection, uh, being able to, to pick up maybe some of those yards in between the tackles, maybe down the goal line, third and one, third and two kind of situations. Uh, maybe with a dual, you know, split backs uh, with with, uh, with both uh, Deuce Vaughn and uh, and Freitas in the backfield. Look for that. R.J. Garcia, I think, is the difference maker at the wide receiver position. And then a guy, I guess, I'm going to also point to on the offensive line. You mentioned uh, you mentioned kind of the whole the whole. Uh, I mean, outside of BB, you kind of count on him to to hang on to that spot out there on the left side. You know, a guy that I would love to see take that step, and I just don't know if he's ready yet, and that's why I kind of have trepidation with putting him in, in the first five here on uh, on September 3rd, is uh, Andrew Lanking. Yeah. If he would be able to, to really take those steps and say, hey, I'm going to put, I'm going to, you know, really put my stamp here at left tackle, that allows us to move uh, Cooper Beebe inside to, to left guard. Perfect. I think that's probably K-State's best offensive line. I just don't know if it's quite there yet. But if he is able to, to hold down and play, I'm not saying he needs to be an all-caliber or all-conference caliber player there. But if he can be a guy that you know we can count on as, as a guy that's not going to be giving up much out there and that allows us to kind of solidify that interior portion of the line, I think that's going to help K-State a lot. Um, but right now, I think you and I see kind of those, those difference makers being the same guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited with what this team has ha, has to offer, uh, I th- as I think we both are, uh, for for what K State can do offensively. For for them to be a, a top three or four offense in the in the conference, I, I think that's where they should be. I don't think that's a stretch at all to say that. Can they really have that uh, consistency in the passing game? I think it's really what's going to ultimately make or break it for, from a standpoint of. Is this an offense that's just, uh, you know, pretty good in the Big 12? Or is like, oh, this is one of the top two or three offenses uh, in the Big 12? And it can go up with the Texases, with the Oklahomas, in terms of what they're able to do on the offensive side of football. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's, those are great points. All I, right. Uh, we have a handful of guys, and obviously if we get help anywhere else, uh, playing above expectations, that's huge. Uh, but it sounds like uh, we're pretty close to an agreement that we need the offensive line to be as good as we think they're going to be. And we need, uh, we'd, we'd like to have a wide receiver uh, step up and, and give us something else uh, in the passing game beyond those. Well, and let me add one more. Can I do that? Oh, of course, though. Malik Knowles. Yeah. I mean, really it, it, it feels like K-State fans have been, we got a taste of it back in 2019. Uh where, like you said earlier, our offense depended on his health. And whether it's injuries, whether it's whatever, he hasn't quite reached the potential that we all thought he was going to have back then. And this is a chance for him to really put his mark on his K-State career. Uh, A little bit like, I mean, I compare it to like Skylar Thompson last mm-hmm. year coming into the season yeah. where we said, you know, he's his book isn't finished yet. This is his last chance to really step up and solidify himself in uh, the history books at K-State and kind of what his legacy is going to be. And it's all there for Knowles. If he goes out and has a 
phenomenal season on the way to a K-State uh, conference championship appearance, then, yeah, I mean, I think he has every opportunity to be up there with the James Terry and maybe even Quincy Morgans and Darnell McDonald. I, I think that, is that going to happen? I don't know. But I think he's got the talent for it. I think that the potential exists there. And if he can really step up and have one of those enormous seasons from the wide receiver spot, then that solves a lot of issues for K-State. I like it. I like it. And I agree. I think that um, I think that's a well-made point there. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do with an experienced quarterback. A new quarterback for him, but a, a guy that uh, has that ability to take, the, take those shots downfield, which is really where we've kind of seen Malik Knowles uh, have that ability. So I think that that might be a, a really good marriage there uh, between Adrian Martinez and, and Malik Knowles. So I think I'm good uh, to kind of wrap it up here. I did want to give uh, our listeners a bit of a heads up here kind of on what the schedule uh, will look like here before kickoff. Um, here in the next, maybe next week, maybe the week after, still trying to figure out schedules. We're oh, gonna, we're be next week. We're here every week. Ne- next week it is. Next week it is. We're going to be breaking down the defensive side of football. Then we have an off week, kind of get, get get ourselves refreshed and be able to attack, which will be a game week podcast uh, as we welcome the South Dakota Coyotes into, into uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And we'll also, at that point, give our Big 12 predictions. We, we're going to pick every game of the Big 12. We're going to have these records ironed out, and we're going to tell you who's going to play for the Big 12 title this year. And everything else in between. Yeah. And we're excited about it. I have, uh, I already know. And I'm not going to ask you to reveal that now. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to wait a little bit. I know you're chomping at the bit to, to let everyone know what you're, what you're thinking is going to be the matchup there in Arlington. I'm not thinking. It's what's going to be. What's going to be. Channeling your inner Nikki Dallacourt. That's right. Well, folks, that's going to do it here for this uh, edition of the uh, Short Side Option. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts on, on maybe some X factors or what you think the biggest key for this K-State offense is in 2022, let us know. Give, give us a shout on Twitter, at TSSO underscore podcast on the bird. That's where you can find us at. We, we look forward to uh, breaking it down uh, with you all season here on the short side option, uh, as we so often do. Dell, great to see you. It's always a pleasure. That, folks, that's going to do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Thanks for listening, and go Cats!